The following audio is from Christian Heritage Church. More information about Christian Heritage Church is available at chctoday.com. This morning you can take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 15. We started this series in Exodus the first Sunday of June. I really had no idea how long it would last, but right now it looks like it may outlast me. You never know. There's a lot of good stuff in Exodus that we apply to our lives today. We're taking our text this morning from Exodus Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, and I want to talk to you on the topic of divine healing. You know, it's interesting to me that when we read the scriptures and study the gospel, we learn that it's really a very simple story that we receive by faith, accept by faith, and then apply by faith. But throughout the history of the church, for some reason, we, and I'm speaking of humanity, has choose to complicate the story. We make it complex. We make it difficult. We make it so only those who are educated or learned can properly interpret the Word of God to us. And as a result, a lot of the truth and simplicity of the gospel has been lost or pushed back and is no longer forefront in our minds. Reminds me of the lady who called into a radio show hosted by a very renowned pastor, a grandfatherly type. And when she called, it was obvious she was crying and she said, Pastor, I was born blind. I've been blind all my life. I've dealt with it. But I have friends who tell me if I would simply have more faith, God would heal my blindness. It's deeply disturbing to me. The pastor said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you have one of those white canes that many blind people carry? She said, yes, I do. He said, well, the next time one of those well-meaning friends tells you you need more faith in order to receive your healing, hit them over the head with that cane and then say to them, if you had more faith, that wouldn't hurt. (laughs) See, we complicate things. We make things difficult. We make it unattainable, unachievable. I have come to tell you today that the gospel of Jesus Christ is simplistic in its form. You don't need a doctorate to understand the word of God. And the promises are as true today as they were the day they were spoken and written. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Exodus chapter 15 verse 26, if you'll put it on the screen, is the first recorded promise of healing in the word of God. And this is what it says. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes, then the Bible goes on to say, I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. When you read the Old Testament, there are 12 examples of individual healing. People who were sick, received a touch from God, and they were made whole. That's what healing is. Amen? There are three examples of corporate healing where large groups of people were all healed at one time. We understand the Old Testament is a picture of what's coming in the New Covenant, the New Testament, through the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's interesting that in the Old Testament, God revealed himself to be the healer. In the New Testament, Jesus' ministry was marked by healing and miracle and healing and miracle and healing and miracle. Matter of fact, it's a part of the plan of God from the beginning to the very end to bring healing to your lives. Psalm 107 verse 20, the Bible says, he sent his word and he healed them. He sent his word and healed them. 
You can read it in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. When you read those scriptures, I want you to go back to Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 and tie all this together. It says in Genesis 1 verse 2 that God had created the heavens and the earth, but the earth was void and full of darkness. Void and full of darkness. Then we read in Psalm 107 verse 20, he sent his word and healed them. Then we read in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And then we jump to Revelation chapter 19, verse 3, and we see that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, is the one that says, and His name shall be called the Word. What am I saying to you today? I'm saying from the beginning to the end, there is a provision for you to be healed in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the Word. He came to earth to prove His power, to reveal His greatness, to shed light where only darkness exists, to bring life where only a void has hitherto been, to prove to you and I there is a mighty God who desires to intervene in our lives. But we complicate it. We complicate it. Oh, you want to be healed? Well, memorize these 18 scriptures. You want to be healed? Do these spiritual calisthenics. You want to be healed? Get on an airplane, fly across the country to hear a certain preacher, and if you're at the right spot in line, maybe you'll receive your miracle. I've come to tell you it's a whole lot easier than that. It's a whole lot simpler than that. And all you have to do is by faith receive what is already promised and walk out in the healing power of Jesus Christ. We need to understand he's already paid the price for our healing. It was provided and paid for by Jesus. Isaiah spoke of it when he said in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Isaiah was prophesying what would happen through the ministry of Jesus Christ, and he said, by his stripes we are healed. The apostle Peter picked up his pen. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, wrote these words to us when he said, Who himself bore our own sins in his body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. Now catch it. By whose stripes you were healed. See, Isaiah prophesied it. He said, it's going to happen. You are going to be healed. But Peter said, you already are. It's a done work. It's completed. It's not something we hope for. It's something we have. We receive in the name of Jesus Christ. By his stripes, you were healed. What does that phrase mean, by his stripes? You'll recall that after Jesus was arrested and falsely accused, he was ordered to be flogged or beaten. He was given 39 lashes or stripes with the cat of nine tails. The Romans believed 40 would kill you, so they stopped just one short of killing him. 
Now, I want you to see this and understand it. He was tortured to the point of death so you could be healed. He was tortured to the point of not coming back from it so you could be healed. Listen to me. The stripes on his back were not for your sins. They were for your sicknesses. They were for your diseases. They were for the sorrows of your heart. They were for that mental crush that you deal with every day. By his stripes, you were healed. God allowed his son to be tortured to the point of death so that you and I could understand by his stripes we are healed. He died for our sins. He paid the price for our sins, but he also paid the price for the malady that affects our physical body. Someone said, well, if that's the case, then why are people sick? Really, you're going to pull that on me. Kindergarten theology. Come on, think about it for just a moment. He died for the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world, John the Baptist said. We read it throughout the scripture. The Son of Man came not to minister, but to minister unto and to give his life a ransom for many. He came to seek and to save that which was lost again and again and again. We can build the doctrine of salvation on the life of Jesus Christ. But if you don't avail yourself to it, if you don't reach out in faith and accept him as your Lord and Savior, confessing, confessing your sins, you'll be lost. That's what the Bible teaches us. So when you say, well, if healing is for today, why isn't everyone healed? Well, if salvation is for today, why isn't the world already saved? Because it requires an act of faith. It requires an act of submission. It requires an act of surrender. It requires that you put yourself in the hand of the great physician and say, I can't heal myself, but I believe you can. I believe you are the great healer, and I trust you for my healing today. Because it's accepted, it's required, it's received by faith. You see, we need to understand prior to Adam and Eve falling to temptation in the Garden of Eden, there was no sickness on planet Earth. There was no disease. There was no malady to end life. They were created as eternal beings to live with God forever. But when they sinned, the curse came upon them. And with that curse came sickness and disease. I don't have time to go into it this morning, but read Deuteronomy chapter 28 this afternoon. It's going to tell you about the blessing that comes through obedience. And it's going to tell you about the curse that comes through disobedience. We need to understand sickness is a curse as a result of sin. But I've got good news for you. Put it on the screen, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. I want you to see this. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. Yes, sickness is a curse, but there is an answer. And the answer is Jesus Christ. The price has already been paid. The stripes have already been administered. All we have to do is stay. Stand in faith and say, that's for me. Quit reasoning it away. Quit saying another generation, another time. That's not for the day today. It died with the apostles. No, my friend, if you are sick, you have every right to put a faith demand on the throne of God and say, touch me and heal me. It's a promise because I am your child. Secondly, I want you to know that healing is for today. Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says these words. When evening had come, they brought to him many 
who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the evil spirits with the word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Once again, tying back to the prophecy, by his stripes we are healed, being completed in the work and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Healing is for today. A little over a month ago, I showed you a video of my dad. Some of you may not know, on September 20th of 2014, he was grievously wounded in a farming accident. He was first told, we were first told his family, he won't survive, he won't make it. Then we were told after a couple of weeks, he will probably survive, and maybe we got a video, you can go ahead and roll it if it's going to play. He may survive, but he'll never walk again. Yvonne and I were there the end of September, and she took this video of my dad. He got up out of the chair by himself. Wait just a minute, and you're going to see he's getting started. But when he gets started, for an 86, almost 87-year-old man who was wounded to the point of death, God has touched him. God has brought healing into his life and into his body. Wait till he gets out in that hall, and you're going to think he thinks in his mind, I'm getting ready to run a race because that's what he thinks. Now, let me tell you the story. He laid in a bed for 11 months. He laid in a bed convinced he would never walk again. He laid in a bed an invalid, helpless, unable to do anything for himself. But something triggered in his spirit after 11 months, and he said, I'm done with this nonsense. I'm going to walk again. There is still power in the name of Jesus Christ. And that 86-year-old man whose pelvis was absolutely destroyed, whose right leg was broken, who had 12 broken ribs, who had all kinds of massive internal injuries, is standing on his feet every day and walking. This last week, he told me, I walked 752 feet today. There's healing in the name of Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus. You say, well, who prayed for him? Everybody. Everybody. See, that's the problem. We're keeping a scorecard. I prayed for you and you got healed. Would you stop that nonsense? You can't heal anybody. Jesus can heal everybody. And it doesn't matter who anointed him with oil. It doesn't matter who prayed for him. We had two of our grandsons there a few months ago. And they were the oldest ones. They laid hands on him and they prayed a prayer of faith. I don't know when it happened. I don't know what happened within him. But I know at some point he said, I'm going to step into the promise. I'm going to believe that everything I've thought for my entire life is still true today. And I will walk again. And that's what happened. Come on, church, it's time to get it in your spirit. Healing is for today. You see, Christ gave us the authority continue to continue in that ministry. He said in Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18, these words, these signs shall follow them who believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. In my name, they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I like the King James. It says they shall recover. They shall recover. Oh, it's time to know the promise is still for today. The authority flows through the bloodline to the believer and from the believer to the sick and afflicted. And we can believe God is able to do that even now. You see, authority is exercised when we're under authority. So in order for you and I to exercise the authority of Jesus Christ to bring healing into lives and bodies, we have to be under his authority. It means we have to be submitted to his authority. 
It means he has to be the Lord of our lives, the King of kings and Lord of lords each and every day. Because listen, God isn't going to share his glory with any of us. He isn't going to share the credit with any of us. That's why I said to you, it doesn't matter who prayed for my dad. What matters is the Lord has raised him up. The Lord has raised him up. I've prayed for him more times than I can count. Yvonne has prayed for him constantly. You have prayed for him. It does not matter. The Lord raised him up. And we're going to give all glory and honor to Jesus Christ. You see, when we understand authority, that when I submit to the authority of Christ, when he is the Lord of my life, then from him flows every good and perfect thing through me. But if I don't submit to his authority, I have no right to expect anything. So there's a New Testament illustration of that very thing. You can find it, excuse me, in the scripture where the centurion came to Jesus. I believe it's Matthew 8, if I remember correctly. And he said to Jesus, my child is sick. And Jesus said, well, let's go to your house. I'll speak a word. They'll be whole. And you know what that guy said? He said, you don't need to do that. That's not necessary. I don't want you to leave where you're at. All you have to do is say the word and it's going to be done. Then he went on to say, you see, I'm a man and you need to read it. Under authority is the exact wordage. And I am men under me. And when I tell them to do something, they go do it because of my authority and the authority that I'm under. Oh, come on, folks, hear me. Catch this. Listen to me. If you're under the authority of Jesus Christ, if you're flowing in his authority, if you're submissive to his lordship, you can say to sickness, you can say to disease, you can say to demons, be gone. And in the name of Jesus, because of his authority, it is forced to flee. It's all about being under the authority of Jesus Christ. It's not about building a name and a reputation. Matter of fact, I've rebuked people when they've said, I prayed for them and they were healed. What do you want, a medal or a chest to pin it on? Come on, we need to get our head in the game. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about his authority, his word, flowing through our lives to accomplish that which he pleases us. In and through us, we have to be under authority. Then we can live and work in that authority. Jesus told us this very specifically in John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, when he said these words, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Now let's stop just a minute. What did Jesus do? Somebody help me out. What did he do? He healed the sick. What else? Yeah, come on, speak it out. Shout it. I can't hear you. It's just a roll rumble. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He set the demonic free. He opened blind eyes. He made the lame to walk. He healed the brokenhearted. He did what no one else could do. And he's saying, the greater works that the works that I do, you'll do also. And greater works than these will you do because I go to the Father. Oh, continue to read that scripture. It says, and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. Whatever you ask under my authority. Whatever you ask under my authority, I'm going to do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything, if you ask anything, if you ask anything, if you ask anything, come on, say that with me. If you ask anything, one more time, if you ask anything, if you ask anything. 
anything in my name, I will do it. What's the caveat? What's the condition? If you ask anything in my name, under my authority, I'm going to do it. 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 He said, whatever you ask, I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Anything you ask, I will do it. Oh, come on, church. I'm trying to raise your faith level this morning. I'm trying to help you see that there is nothing too hard for the God we serve, that our God is able to heal the sick, to make the lame to walk, to open the blinded eyes. Our God is able to cure cancer and cause it to be gone from your body. Our God is able to speak a word to MS, and it's immediately gone and dried up. It'll never plague you or trouble you again. My God is able, regardless of the malady, to bring healing into your life and into your body. He is able. He is able. We have that authority because we live under the authority of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, I want you to know and understand that we need to prepare to receive our healing today. Not next week. Not next month. Not next year. Today. Today is the day that God has ordained to touch you when you surrender to Him Submit to his authority and let him move in you and move through you. James said it this way in James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. For the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man doesn't do much at all. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. Avails much is what the King James says. The newer versions uses those two adjectives, powerful and effective. I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody praying some mealy mouth prayer over me. I don't want anybody praying some halfway prayer over me. I don't want anybody praying saying, Lord, if it be your will, listen to me. If I'm sick, you better not bring that garbage into me. I'm going to kick you out. I know it's his will, and I'm going to stand in his will and believe by his stripes. I have already been healed in the name of Jesus. Jennifer and Bailey, would you come right now, please? I want you to hear this testimony. It's powerful. It's wonderful. What God can do in hearts and in lives. Come right on up here, ladies. I want you to hear this. I want it to get into your spirit. I want God to cause this testimony to have faith spring up in your hearts and in your lives as never before. Good morning. I'm going to let Bailey start off telling you her story. Hi, my name is Bailey Johnson, and I'm here to tell you about my tragic accident. Last year, in the month of June 2014, I was jumping to the high bar, and the bars were not tied down, so of course I fell off on my right elbow, and I had an open fracture, which means my bone was out on the gym floor. 
Can you see the scar on her arm? So, I arrived to the hospital and immediately went into surgery. I woke up in ICU for the next two days to see if I if my bone was infected. We had a lot of occupational therapy to go through and I was really frustrated because nothing was moving my arm. My doctor said I would never be able to straighten my arm over 30 degrees. But now I can straighten it all away. Amen. Praise God. What she's missing in this story is the struggle that it took to get that arm straight. Lots of believing God. Faith is something that you don't wake up with. You can read it. You can hear it. pastor can preach about it. But until you're faced with having to put it to the test, you don't know what faith is. Faith is what, watching the video of pastor's um, dad. The part about surrendering to God. There's pain. I don't care if it's physical or emotional. There's pain. You can't surrender to that pain. You've got to surrender to Christ. He has to be the first thing that you put forth. And that was the hardest thing for this 10-year-old. She was nine at the time to understand. She understood believing in God. She believed in God. She knew Jesus Christ. But surrendering her life 100% to Christ was the hardest walk. And we got nowhere with this injury. It didn't matter how many people prayed over her. Baptism was scheduled uh, two or three months before the injury. Um, Baptism was scheduled for July. She was going to be in a cast in July. So Pastor Steve held baptism off for a month and let all the kids get baptized before school started. She was so excited. She got to be baptized with one of her teammates, one of her best friends, Jada Bedford. They got to be baptized together. After the baptism, she said to me, Mom, I don't know what happened, but something changed. We had lots of struggles with her wanting to do her exercises. She didn't want to do them. She would say, I don't understand why I'm doing this three times a day. My arm's not moving. It's not working. Nothing she did worked. But after that baptism and after she decided to surrender to Christ, it started happening weekly. Weekly. Whatever she said, whatever she woke up and spoke happened in the doctor's office. We went from 80 degrees. The doctor said she would never get past a 30 degree bend and that would be about like this forever. But she could go back to gymnastics with that 30 degree bend, although she didn't want to go back to gymnastics with a 30 degree bend. So she started speaking it. And as she spoke it, it happened every week. They would say the most she could we would, we would hope for would be maybe a five-degree change. She started seeing 10-degree changes, 12-degree changes. And we got to, the accident happened in June. Baptism was in August. We got nowhere from July to August. After baptism, she went from 80 degrees to the month of September to 28 degrees, which was better than the doctor ever said she would get in one year. This was a one-year-long recovery. She was going to be out of gymnastics for a year, and there was no, we weren't sure if she was ever going to go back. So in that one month after that, after she started surrendering, she, got, she beat the doctor's goal for her. So the doctor, that, the doctor saw her that month, and she was supposed to go every three months for him to, for over a period of a year. He said, I want to see her back in a month. If she's gotten this far in a month, I want to see what she's going to get next month. We went back the following month, which was October of 2014, four months after the injury. 
He totally released her back into gymnastics. She had a straight arm. There was about a four-degree bend at that time. He was convinced that she had gotten from 28 to four in a month that that four would go away too. He took a picture of her in the doctor's office making a muscle. That spoke more to me than anything else that I had seen happen because when she held up both muscles, there was absolutely no difference in each side, although she, had ne- she hadn't used this arm in four months. The muscle was the exact same size. The bone pierced the muscle, tore it, and had to be repaired in surgery, and there was no difference in the muscle tone from the right and the left. And he said, that's what I can't explain. There should be atrophy on the right side. She shouldn't be able to straighten this arm. I can't keep her out of gymnastics. Let her go back. So she started competing this year. She wasn't even supposed to hit the gym until June. By August, she was competing this year, and she wants to show you something that she can do that she didn't think she'd be able to do again. But I want to say one, one thing about faith that often you hear it preached is you're going to be asked to do things that are uncomfortable. You know, Pastor didn't talk about his dad may not have felt good when he decided he wanted to walk. He may have felt horrible from laying in the bed for 11 months. It doesn't matter if it's physical pain or emotional pain. It doesn't feel comfortable. And you have to step out of it. You have to be willing to go where God's going to take you. And that's what this child was willing to do. And this is where God has taken her because of it. It takes work. Faith takes work. It's not something that you wake up with. And it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be painful. But the reward is definitely worth it. Amen. Amen. Watch this. Come on, somebody give God some praise. Somebody give God some glory. Musicians, come back this morning, please. Stand your feet with me across this room. How do we receive our healing? Let me give you some things very, very quickly as you're standing. Number one, know what's yours as a child of God. By His stripes you were healed. Number two, confess your sins. James tells us that very, very clearly. Number three, release any unforgiveness. Jesus told us in Matthew 16, 15, that we should pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Release any unforgiven sin. Allow someone to lay hands on you. You can do it yourself, but this morning we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to anoint with oil and then speak a word of faith. Speak a word of faith. Jesus said to the lame man, rise, take up your bed, and walk. In just a few moments, I'm going to open these altars. But first, I want us to come back to that place of surrender. Come back to that place of submission. Come back to that place where the Lord has the opportunity to do something powerful in our lives. Sing it out one time, Sean. Thank you for listening to audio from Christian Heritage Church located in Tallahassee, Florida. Feel free to give copies of this message to others, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Christian Heritage Church, please visit us online at chctoday.com.